0: Children's Church, any kids kindergarten to second grade, I'd like to introduce uh, a friend among us, a partner in the ministry, Vincent Longariti. Vincent, would you uh, come on up here? And uh, Vincent is one of our missionaries that we support. Uh, he is married to his wife, Beatrice, and they have two children, Stephen and Zoe. That's right, uh, Stephen is three and Zoe is like one and a half. One and a half, yeah. I remember one and a half. Yeah, we'll pray for you, brother. And uh, Vincent is uh native of Uganda. And we have uh, come to know him uh, through John and Cindy Norton. Uh have connected with him. And John. some of you know John and Cindy Norton from our church are over in Uganda now. They're a retired couple and decided to uh, go and serve the Lord overseas in their retirement. And Vincent uh, sort of got to know our church when you were studying at Gordon-Conwell. Is that right? Yes. Yes, and you uh, studied, did your master's in theology there. Your wife did a master's in counseling there, I believe. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Stephen is uh, the head of Focus, which is, if, if you not in the States, think of like InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And uh, Focus is kind of like that for boarding schools. Uh, and so, he's the head of Focus for Uganda. So, uh, it's great to have him here with us. So, uh, brother, we're just excited to have you and so glad you can come and open the word for us this morning. So,. Uh, can I just uh, say a prayer for you? as, you, as you okay. Lord, thank you so much for uh, Vincent and Beatrice. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege we have of partnering with them in Uganda mm-hmm. through Mission Support. Thank you, Lord, for their family. We pray your blessing on their children. And just bless uh, Vincent now as he opens God's word for us. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, can we just give uh, Vincent a welcome this morning?
1: Thank you. Thank you very much, Jeremy, and thank you, each one of you. Good morning, my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's such a joy for me to be here, and I consider it a great privilege to stand behind this pulpit and share God's Word with you this morning. My family and I have been in the States for about two weeks, two and a half weeks now, and we are so grateful for the hospitality that you have accorded us, Thank you, David Kelly and the Missions Committee, and the Hambleys and the L's who have hosted us, and all of you who have invited us to your houses to eat. (laughs) I am definitely going back to Uganda having gained a few pounds, even though you don't see it. (laughs) And that is a compliment for us, by the way. So thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for sending John and Cindy Norton to work with us. We are We are definitely enjoying our time together with them. One of the reasons we came to the States was to be able to find some resources on autism, uh, because we suspect our son could be autistic. And it's just amazing the way God has been opening doors. And I also want to thank those of you who have pointed us to various people or resources that we can use. Um, Do continue to pray for us. We're told it can take months or even up to a year to get an appointment see a doctor, but pray for us for the next steps as to what we are going to do with that. Now, I would like to ask you to do one simple thing, actually two simple things for me this morning. And um, today we're going to talk, we're going to give you a break from the series that you've been having, and we're going to talk a little bit about breaking barriers. And in light with that, I want to ask you to do two things we do in our church back home. And to do that, I'd like to ask you all to stand up. Okay? Right before the sermon, the preacher always asks, greets the congregation. And he greets them using the words, praise the Lord. And everybody responds with a loud and resounding, Amen. Okay? And then... He asks each one in the congregation to greet their neighbor with a hug. I know this is New England, but let's see how far we can go. (laughs) Praise the Lord. You're good for Uganda. Now turn around and greet your neighbor. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, yes. I said we're going to talk about breaking barriers. And about thinking about what to share this morning, I, I, I thought I definitely need to share something about missions. But then I thought, um, I, I don't want to share about missions. Like, in order to be a missionary, you have to go across the seas, or you have to go to a different country. I want to share about being a missionary right where you are, in the middle of your everyday duties, in the middle of your chores, just your life as um, a missionary. And I thought about an incidence in the life of Jesus, an incidence where he spoke to the woman at the well. So today we're going to read from John chapter 4, verse 1 to 26. And I will just quickly breeze through that passage. It's a very familiar passage, and I know many of you have heard the story and read it over and over again. You've probably listened to sermons preached from this text before. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the pool, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, was, Jesus tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshippers must worship in Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you, I am He. There are three characters in this passage there is Jesus, who is the incarnate Son of God, there is the woman, at the well, we have the, the Samaritan woman is what we call her. We've never known her name. All we know about her is that she was an immoral woman. She was a sexual sinner, and she came to the well. And then there was the well, it's the third character. I was surprised to see a well somewhere in Gardner Street um, last week, and and I think actually the well that is talked about in the Bible looked somewhat like that. It probably was a hundred feet deep and it had, um, it had a wall built around it so that the travelers could sit either, over, either wall built of wood or stone. Now Jesus was going to Galilee and he had to go through Samaria and this was about midday and he was tired and weary and sat at the well hoping to get a drink. Then this Samaritan woman comes And he asks her for a drink. Now this is one of the stories where we can see the character of Jesus in the Gospel. It comes out very clearly. A, we see Jesus is human. We see his humanity expressed in this part. He gets tired. He gets weary. He gets thirsty. We see Jesus as a person with a lot of sympathy. His warmth of sympathy comes out in this passage. Ordinarily, this woman, this uh, Samaritan woman, would have been embarrassed to speak to the Orthodox church leader of their day because of her reputation and who she was in her village. But she was very comfortable talking to Jesus and sort of bared out her heart to him. And he was quite sympathetic with her. And you see that coming out. In Uganda, we have some people who call themselves men of God. And sometimes you want to begin repenting your sins probably five feet before they approach you just because of the, you know, the fear they, 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 they cause you to feel. But Jesus was not like that. She was comfortable with him. And it shows that Jesus is a breaker down of barriers. There was... The Jews and the Samaritans had a controversy that had lasted for so many years, over four centuries. And Jews did not see eye to eye with Samaritans. They could not use the same utensils. But Jesus was here asking this woman for a drink. He was breaking down the barrier between the Jews and the Samaritans. And also the barrier between men and women. There was that barrier. A rabbi or a teacher was not to be seen speaking with a woman in public. If he did that, that was the end of his reputation. In fact, Jewish men were known to pray in the morning, thanking God that they were neither a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. I was reading about Pharisees who were referred to as bruised and bleeding Pharisees, because whenever they saw a woman approaching... They were known to cover their eyes. And as a result of that, they ran into all sorts of obstacles. So they were constantly bleeding and bruising. So this would have been the end of Jesus' reputation. A leader was not to be seen talking to a woman, whether it was his wife, his daughter, or his mother in public. So this is an amazing story. Jesus the Son of God. He gets thirsty, he gets tired, he gets weary. Jesus, the holiest of men, is listening to the sorry story of this woman. Jesus is breaking down barriers. And this, we see the whole universality of the Gospel, the oneness of the Gospel. God so loving the world, not in theory, but in actual practice. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. When I say that, the response is still the same. (laughs) So when Jesus asks this woman for a drink, it's not the fact that he's asking a woman for a drink, because it was usually the women who drew the water from the well, but it's the fact that she is a Samaritan. And he immediately lifts the conversation to another level. And he says, um, he begins to talk about living water and the gift that he can give that she needs to seek she would definitely have understood the term living water because living water was the water that flowed, it was the water from a stream, the water from a river as opposed to the water from a lake a pond or a cistern but she definitely was understanding it literally as Jesus giving her water from a stream Um, in the Bible, many times in the Old Testament, God or Yahweh is referred to as the spring of life. So even in our interpretation of this passage, sometimes um, we, can, we can use that word, that expression, living water, um, to refer to that. But Jesus, um, later on, is he's of course taking on a deeper meaning here to the word living water. And later on in the book of John, he explains it as um, actually, the Holy Spirit and the new life that he will give as a result which will be shown in the activity of the Holy Spirit. So the woman, um, her appetite is beginning to be whetted. She's beginning to want this living water so that she cannot thirst again. She wants her thirst quenched. And maybe she was saying, I don't want to have to keep coming back to this well over and over and over again. So just give it to me and I'm satisfied once and for all. So then she asks Jesus for this living water. Her thirst, her appetite was wetted. And Jesus does something strange. She tells her, go and call your husband. That's not the answer to the question she asked. And so I ask myself, is Jesus changing the subject here? What is he doing? Is he, um, is he sort of saying, I have been talking to you, woman, all along, and you just don't seem to get it, okay? I'm done with you. Go call your husband. Maybe I will have better luck. Is that what he's saying? I don't know. But I think he is gently bringing out her sin, exposing her. She has this thirst inside of her and she needs to become aware of it consciously. And he does that by exposing her sin. Unless the woman was truly awakened to see her sinfulness, she would not be able to fulfill this thirst that she had. So Jesus was now speaking to her conscience and she responded by saying curtly, I do not have a husband. But, of course, the Lord knew her. The Lord knew her. He knew he, she had five husbands. And he knew the one she was living with currently was not even her husband. But she was shocked when he made this revelation to her. And he definitely, she definitely began to see her as more than just this Jewish traveler. She said, oh, you are a prophet which to her meant somebody who reveals hidden secrets, obviously. So then she's beginning to say, what do I do with this thirst in me? What do I do with this, you know, this sin? Her immoral life was now exposed barely before her. And she was wondering, what do I do with this? The thing that was done for sin in the Old Testament was a sacrifice was made. And she was probably asking herself, I need to make a sacrifice for my sin. Where do I do it? Do I go to Jerusalem? Do I go to Mount Gerizim? Where do I go? And that's what she asked Jesus. And he said, Genuine worship is spiritual. It's not about places. It's not about where should I worship. It's not about buildings. It is spiritual. It is a matter of the attitude of the heart and mind and obedience to God regarding what should be done. It's not about the where, but it's about the what. And he talks to her about what true worship is. Now, bear in mind, this is just an ordinary day in the life of Jesus. He could have been going out grocery shopping. He could have been, you know, doing whatever you do in your ordinary day. This is an ordinary day in the life of Jesus. And he's talking to this woman about worship. False worship is selective. It chooses things about God that it likes or or, or, or wants to associate with God and it leaves out the rest. And that's what the Samaritans had done. They pulled out the, the poetical books, the prophetic books and um, kind of like held on to what they wished to hold on to. False worship is it's ignorant worship. It's not based on truth. It's probably just based on on, 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 on feelings, on emotions. But at some point... We have to ask ourselves about what we believe and and, and question that and be able to defend that. False worship can be superstitious. Worshipping not out of a need or a desire to do that, but because of a fear. If I do not do this, something bad is going to happen to me. But Jesus says, true worshippers worship God in spirit. And in truth God is spirit And the highest part of us Is the spiritual part of us So true worship, Jesus says Is when in our spirits We're intimately connected with God And we have a close relationship with God um, At that level Based on the truth of God's word That's what it is to worship God in spirit, and in truth. Those two aspects. And when she realizes that, she's like, Jesus reminds her of the coming Messiah who will tell them everything. And he tells her, I am he, I am that Messiah. So then the story goes on, she goes into the village and she um, tells the people in the village about the man who met her, knew everything about her, and still he loved her. And I was just thinking back about this story and saying, this was just an ordinary day in the life of Jesus. And he used this opportunity at the well where he was weary and tired and waiting to get a drink to share with this woman about the living water. It was an ordinary conversation. He didn't have to do anything out of the ordinary to, um, to, to bring her to the point that he did of realizing that he actually is the Christ. And I kept asking myself, every day, you know, we probably have opportunities to do that. In small ways, in big ways. And Christ is always calling us to do specific things. It may be giving directions to a traveler. It may be um, stopping our tongues from saying something that we should not say, you know. But we are continuously exposed to opportunities where we can be missionaries in our day-to-day life, in our families, in our neighborhood, in, um, in our workplaces. And as I read this story, I just see Jesus is a master of using that opportunity. Back in Uganda, we we live in an area that is a slum area, and um, my wife and I always try to reach out to the community in whatever way we can. We can, so we have a car, and there is a gentleman in one of the young men. He's probably about fifteen years old. He's called Levy and he washes our car for us and we pay him for that now one day he came to our doorstep and he was all wrapped up in a sweater now you have to know our temperatures are usually about 70 is normal uh, so when it gets to 60, 50 we are freezing that's um, <laughs> that's like winter so he comes, he's wrapped in a sweater and he's, he's shivering and his teeth are chattering and he tells us that he's not going to be able to wash the car today because he's feeling sick. He thinks he has malaria. And so my wife says, she tells me, she calls me and she says, we need to help him. I was busy doing something else and she's like, okay, um, let's give him some money and he can go to the clinic and get himself tested and get medication. And that was my solution. She's like, no, I want you to take him to the clinic. And I'm thinking, I'm have, i doing something else. It's very easy for him to go to the clinic. After all, I will have done my bit by giving him the money. So I hesitate, but then she says, okay, if you can't go, I will leave you with the kids and I will take him to the clinic. (laughs) And I have to make a choice. If I'm to be left with a two-year-old or go to the clinic, I would rather go to the clinic. So I said, I will go to the clinic. So I put him in the car and went to the clinic. But all the time I'm thinking there's going to be waiting, waiting for him to see the doctor. And then when he's seen the doctor, you know, we're going to have to buy the medicine. And oh, it's a long process. And I don't know how long it's going to take. So we get there. And we have to wait, there's probably about five people ahead of us. And we get to the doctor and, you know, he talks to him and he takes his temperature and does the tests and he says, he definitely has malaria. And uh, there's levels of malaria, there's, there's level one, level two and level three. And he had level three of malaria. And so he needed attention right away. So at that point, my wife calls and she's like, how are things going? I'm like, things are going fine. The doctor has just seen him and he's got a lot of malaria and um, we need to get him medication. And she's like, okay, you need to get the most effective medication. And I'm thinking, of course, that's going to cost more money. And, um, you know, any ordinary medication really would work. But... I don't have to pay so much. I have already I paid for him to come here. I have taken my time to be here. And I have to pay more for the extra, you know, medicine. But I say, okay, I will do that. So we go to the counter. I pay for the medicine. And we're on our way out of the pharmacy. And she calls again. And she's like, were you able to get good medication? I was like, yes, we paid for it. She's like, could you pass by the grocery store and pick up some juice for him because he might not have appetite it will be good for him to drink and of course i'm thinking not again <laughs> i'm spending more time money but i yield we go to the grocery store and as i'm walking down the aisle she calls again <laughs> i forgot to tell you please pick the biggest juice bottle so that it will last him a while. And of course, I'm thinking, oh no, not again. But um, I have learned to listen to my wife because I think she has some wisdom that I do not have. And so I, I get the bigger bottle of juice and we finally get into the car and we're on our way home. And when I take Levy to his family, his family lives in a, in a, in a, It's actually, it's probably a 10 by 8 foot room. And he's got, he's got three sisters and one brother. He lives with his mother. And they were all outside the door, waiting for me. They were waiting to hear what had happened. How things had gone. And they were so excited that I had taken him to the clinic. They were so excited that... You know, he had gotten medicine, he had gotten treatment. They were so excited that he had even come home with juice. I just saw the smile on their faces. And I knew I had ministered to them. But I did not get it all along. I did not. I was thinking of what was convenient for me, what was easier for me to do. And right in front of me was an opportunity to be a blessing to share of that love of Christ I did not have to tell him that Jesus loves him if he saw what I did he would be touched by that and as I read this I, you know, my mind went back to that incident and I thought how many opportunities in every day does the Lord give me that I probably am not aware of and my prayer is Lord Open my eyes to see the opportunities that you give me. And give me the courage to take them. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. And may that be our prayer this morning. That the Lord will open our eyes to the opportunities around us and give us the courage to take them. The courage to break the barriers, whatever they are, so that we can be effective ministers of the gospel. May the Lord bless you. Let's just close in prayer. Father God, we thank you for the example of Jesus and the way he took Advantage of every opportunity that he had and we ask that this morning Lord even as we walk out of this service we walk out into the week Lord you will help us to break out of our barriers to break out to break barriers to break out of our comfort zones and in small ways And even in big ways, see how you are calling us to be missionaries. You are calling us to share your gospel in word and in deed with those in need. And give us the courage, Lord, to follow your lead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you, brother. Well, we come now to the Lord's table, to that which Christ did for us. We come to celebrate His death on the cross for us. This is Memorial Day weekend. And this is, uh, for us as Christians, our memorial celebration of Christ. Christ has given us a memorial celebration. Just as, as a nation, we think of those who gave their lives for our nation and for our freedoms. So as Christians, we gather at this table to remember Christ who gave his life for something far greater than America. He gave his life for the salvation of our souls, that we might be free from the wrath of God, free to love Christ, free to be those um, vehicles, as Vincent was preaching, through whom God would actually touch the world. And it's all possible because Christ died for our sins. That when Christ died on the cross... He was turning away the wrath of God from us and allowing the wrath of God to come on himself so that our sins could be forgiven and that we could stand righteous before God. And this memorial of Christ is different because as we remember those who've given their lives for our nation, and we think of Christ, unlike them, Christ is risen. Christ is alive. And so we celebrate a living Savior. And and we look forward with anticipation when Christ will return. So this meal is is kind of a past, present, future. We look into the past, what Christ did for us. In the present, we fellowship with the living Jesus through communion. And we look to the future when he comes again. And we celebrate his death until he returns. And so if I could ask the elders to join me here at the communion table to help serve the congregation. This communion supper is open to Anybody here who knows Christ as their Lord and Savior, um, if you have children, I would just encourage you to think about whether or not to have them share the Lord's Supper. Don't, don't take, have your kids take communion just because the plate's in front of them. This is not snack time. This is the time to focus on the Lord's uh, life. And maybe it's an opportunity for you uh, on the drive home today to explain to your kids uh, why uh, we take communion. And, and unless they really understand it, I would encourage you to to refrain from that and use an opportunity to share the gospel with them too. This is a celebration of Christ's death for us. This bread that we're about to eat celebrates His body, and the blood uh, or the cup that we drink symbolizes His blood that was shed. So, if I could uh, ask the elders just to join me here, and let me read from First Corinthians 11. It says, "For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took bread." And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And Eric, could you come and give thanks for the broken body of Christ? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just give thanks to you today. You paid the ultimate price, Lord, to break down the barriers, the ultimate barrier of sin that each of us have. And we just give you praise and glory this morning for all that you did for us, Lord. And Father, I just pray that we can take on your nature and become more like you. We thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. as our elders distribute the elements, I just encourage you to take this time to pray, to fellowship with the Lord, to thank Him for His sacrifice for you, to worship Him, to confess sin, whatever it is that we need to do to draw back into a closer communion with the Lord. Christ's body was broken for you. Let's eat together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes can I ask the elders to join us again and Rick good enough would you give thanks for Jesus blood that was shed on the cross let's pray our gracious